0: Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations, as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. The songs you're about to enjoy are from the Generations Church worship team. Led by Pastor Shake Anderson with the Gin Praise Band and on special occasions, some great guest musicians.
1: You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. Stay tuned for more inspiring music and a message from the Bible.
0: chapter 15. I'd like to read a few verses from this crucial chapter. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, or the good news, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, or Peter, then by the Twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. This is during the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. But some have passed on or fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James Then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. He saw the Lord, the resurrected Christ, which was part of his conversion. Verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ has not risen... Then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified to God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and have become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. The imagery that the Bible portrays of Jesus fulfilling is he is the last Adam. Adam was created by God, placed in a garden, perfect with eternal life. And Adam sinned and relinquished his authority to the tempter, to the evil one, and death entered the human race. And so all we children of that first man reap the consequences of his actions. Jesus came, the son of God and the son of a woman, called himself the son of man, but he was not the descendant of Adam through his father, only through his mother. And so sin was not passed down to him, and then he never sinned. When he faced the tempter, he resisted temptation. And he suffered and died, not for his sins, but for ours. And so the good news of the gospel is the last Adam came. If one Adam screwed up the human race, One Adam, the same principle applies, can fix us up. Amen? And the exchange happens by faith. I mean, religion will set up all kinds of hoops, say you have to do this, you have to do this, and you can do those things and think you've earned brownie points with God. But I'm telling you, no good work would have been worth anything had Jesus not done what he did. So it all goes back to the faith that He gives us, the ability to believe that God showed His mercy to us in His Son in allowing the last Adam to die and bring on the consequences of sin that had been begun by the first Adam. Are you glad that Jesus is risen from the dead? I'd like to speak to you this morning on the relevance of the resurrection. Some people may believe in the resurrection, but it doesn't play out in their life because they don't understand that it's relevant. Others may say they believe in the resurrection, but they kind of doubt it because they're not sure if it's relevant. So I hope to approach this subject today with three things. I believe that the resurrection is relevant because it happened, it still changes lives, and it helps serve cultures. America needs to believe in the resurrection. Amen? Amen? The resurrection is relevant because it happened. He was killed by professional executioners. Had he not died, the resurrection would have been meaningless. There's a theory floating around that he actually wasn't dead, but yet he'd been beaten for hours, starved for hours, uh, dehydrated for hours, and then hung up on a cross in the hot sun for hours, and in the rain, and in bad weather that was happening. And all that bleeding, and then they pierced his side with a spear, and blood and water flowed out. When that happens, that demonstrates that there's water around the heart. Shove the spear up, and so he was killed. They wanted to kill him, and professionals did it. Romans knew how to do it, so not only was he tortured, but he was killed. His enemies intended to end his life. And they intended to end his influence. So they would not allow a fake execution and certainly not a fake resurrection. So they took great precautions in guarding the tomb, placing a 24-hour watch. So the tomb was guarded. And then, of course, there's the empty tomb with no explanation. To this day, nobody has yet to produce the body. How is it that fearful followers of Jesus... Who denied they knew him. They were fearful. How is it that they were transformed? Through witnessing as eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Christ. Going into the empty tomb. Yes, Jesus has it going on. And they died, all of them. Torturous deaths except for John. And he was deep fried for a while. And lived in exile. And only one of the twelve that died a natural death. What transformed them? What changed them? It was a resurrection. They knew it was the truth. The witnesses are allowed, eyewitnesses are allowed, still allowed in court today. And so if eyewitnesses are allowed in court today, they're certainly allowed in the historical record. And so we have records of Christ's resurrection. So I believe that it happened. And we see the consequences of the results of its happening in our lives. And of course, history record that it happened, the the transformation of the Roman Empire. And, of course, all kinds of corruption crept into the church during that time, and it was not a good thing. But it still points to the fact of the resurrection. The resurrection helps serve cultures. It helps transform nations. It helped form our nation. Even though our nation's founders were not perfect, they were on their way to being perfect. The Civil War would never have happened had it not been the Christian faith at work, like salt, not leaving the people alone until they freed the slaves. Faith in the resurrection creates good citizens. Without faith in the resurrection, what do you have to motivate people to goodness? Shame and blame. You ever watch shows like Jerry Springer? Those are people attempting... To bring order into their lives and the lives of others because of all the chaos and the destruction of relationships by shaming people publicly, just piling the shame on them. God help us as parents not to pile shame on our kids. They need to be corrected, but shame doesn't do anything but hurt us and tempt us to medicate And cover our shame with more stuff that would cause us shame if anybody knew about it. And blame. The pointing of the finger. You know, for counselors and all their good intentions, a lot of times all they do is help people shift the blame on it's not your fault to get rid of the shame. They fix the blame. goes back to the garden. Adam, did you eat of the tree of which I told you not to eat? The woman You gave me. Gave to me. Woman, did you eat of the tree? The devil made me do it. Blame will not free you from shame. Only the blood of Christ. And faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and the empty tomb frees us from our shame. Now for... A nation to succeed. It must have order. And without the influence of the Christian faith, our country is becoming more and more secular. We're creating more and more laws to regulate the order. Through faith in Christ's resurrection, preceded by his death for our sins, there comes a desire in our hearts as believers to not sin, as well as a genuine sorrow when we become aware that we have sinned which is not just feeling guilty or shame, but much more than remorse for getting caught. It's a transformation. My pastor says he changes your want-tos. This fact blesses nations if people will turn to Christ. If they don't, To establish order and to create a society where it is safe to live, the nation must have laws and must enforce those laws. And so we have a county jail overflowing. Yesterday's Hood County News, our little community, this week's news, 17 people were indicted and five people were arrested for felonies. Laws do not change people. You know, we can talk all about rehabilitation in our prisons. It ain't working. Listen to this. I Googled the number of U.S. laws. Every six years, there's a publication printed called the Code of Laws of the United States of America. The one we have now is just right at six years old, it is over 200,000 pages long. We've come a long way from two stone tablets and Ten Commandments. This is not including our state laws, our county laws, our city codes, as well as our homeowner association standards, not to mention international law. I can almost hear Hitler say, we will have order! There are now so many criminal laws, the odds of no one breaking one in a lifetime is huge. Since 2000, Congress has identified or created, however you want to look at it, 452 new crimes in the last 12 years. The total number of federal crimes that one can commit, not one person, but that people could be guilty of as of the end of 2007 is over 4,450. 91 of the new 452 crimes were contained in new laws that created 279 new crimes, and the remaining crimes were contained in amendments to existing laws. Let's talk about the IRS. It's tax time. By 2010, the U.S. tax code had grown to over 71,000 pages in length. Compare that to the 1138 pages in both my New and Old Testaments in this Bible. (laughs) I'm not pushing for anarchy. I'm just pointing out the facts. America needs transformation. And the resurrection is there. A few years ago in the London Times, you can go on Google and type in the words, Africa needs God, and you'll find an article by Matthew Paris, who's an atheist, who grew up in Malawi, left for a few years, and then came back as an atheist. And he had to admit, The influence of Christianity is a positive thing for Africa. Missionaries, he begins, not aid money are the solution to Africa's biggest problem, the crushing passivity of the people's mindset. He goes on to say, now as a confirmed atheist, I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa, sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts. These alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. This is an atheist talking. It's on the online forum of the London Times to this day. He goes on to say, only the severest kind of secularist would see a mission hospital or school and say the world would be better without it. I would allow that if faith was needed to motivate missionaries to help, then fine. But what counted was the help, not the faith. But this doesn't fit the facts. Faith does much more than support the missionary. It's also transferred to the flock. In the city, we had working for us Africans who had converted and were strong believers. The Christians were different from the non-Christians. Far from having cowed down or confined its converts, the faith of these Christians appeared to have liberated and relaxed them. There was a liveliness, a curiosity, an engagement with the world, a directness in their dealings with others that seemed to be missing in traditional African life. They stood tall. Read one more statement. Whenever we entered a territory worked by missionaries, we had to acknowledge that something changed in the faces of the people we passed and spoke to. Something in their eyes, the way they approached you direct, man to man, without looking down or away. They had not become more deferential towards strangers. In some ways, less so, but more open. What is that? The resurrection takes our shame away. It just does. In America, shame is on the rise. It is. Freedom is in the resurrection. It's good for cultures because it's good for its citizens. It helps serve cultures because of sacrificial work. Because we are free from the burden of our sin, we want to help somebody else be free from theirs. We want to preach the gospel everywhere and, when necessary, use words. And so a lot of our hospitals have Christian roots. Going back to an Anglican minister named John Wesley who started the Methodist movement. Baptist hospitals, Catholic hospitals. Going back to Jesus who told us to heal the sick care for the broken. When Hurricane Ike hit Houston, my brother-in-law pastors a church called New Life Fellowship in LaPorte, Texas. And their church is a disaster relief center. And so the secular organizations, FEMA, National Guard, Red Cross, somebody else, set up headquarters at their church property to help feed and clothe and house hurting people. My brother-in-law told me, he said, you would not believe how those people fight each other. Compete with each other for space, they're territorial, they're uncooperative, they're demanding, they're dominating, and it's just a job they don't really care about the hurting. At least this was his experience. When you confront them, they're unrepentant. It's a total difference from working with other churches to help serve the needs of people. They're loving, they're caring. I think I made the point. Resurrection serves cultures. Better through the gospel, through changing lives, than any secular institution can. The resurrection serves cultures by inspiring the arts. So many of today's artists started in church. Watch American Idol. You see them praising the Lord out in the hallway and stuff like that. As they become famous, some fall away, but that does not diminish the fact we're it not for the resurrection. They would not have been inspired to excel in their arts, music, sculpture, painting, literature, poetry. Watch this inspired person
1: in the beginning was the word and the word was with god the word was god the word was with god in the beginning through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness but the darkness did not recognize that the light shines through the darkness but the darkness didn't even notice He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Even in his own land and among his own people, he was not wanted. But to those who believed him, to those who believed in his name, to those who believed he was how he claimed and would do what he said, he gave the right to become children of God. And we have seen his glory, the glory that a one and only son can only receive from his father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word became human and lived here on earth among us. And having become human, he stayed human. He humbled himself. He didn't accept any special privileges. He lived a selfless, obedient life to die a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that crucifixion. But it was our sins that did that to him. He was bruised and wounded for everything that we've done wrong. He was wounded for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquities. He did all this just so we could be whole. And God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth every tongue confess that Jesus is the master of all this is the resurrection that the son came and gave his life that he extended an invitation to know the god of all creation that he offered us love when we knew no peace that he offered us relationship when all we knew how to do was keep and break a bunch of rules this is the resurrection that in his death we have come to know life that we can freely offer our life to him
0: Inspires art. A lot of our great music, if you research the roots of that music, you're going back to the church. The musical scale takes you back to Bach, back to the church. The blues and jazz, back to the church. Rock and roll, back to blues and jazz, back to the church. Constructive arts, are inspired by the resurrection. Without it, the arts are vulnerable to destructive expression, sadness and sorrow and blasphemy and things that tear down. The resurrection is relevant because it changes lives. It brings us freedom from fear. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. He's the first. Just as Adam was the first sinner... The first man to die, Jesus was the first man to conquer death, to rise from the dead never to die again. We who fear death are in bondage. But through faith in Christ there can be freedom from that fear. There's a tremendous difference many times that you can observe between the death of a believer and the death of an unbeliever. A believer knows where she's going, knows where he's headed. Unbeliever may not know a certain amount of fearfulness, anxiety. And in telling our loved ones goodbye, there is peace in the hearts of the believer who knows where their loved one's going. Others, not so much. At best, they believe they're just no longer going to exist. And when they say goodbye, it really is Goodbye. Whereas for believer, it's so long for now. Pain for us in death is for those of us that are left in the wake of our brother or sister's absence. It's not for them. Freedom from the fear of death is freedom from fear. If you consider all your fears, whether it's hydrophobia, claustrophobia, fear of all kinds of things, chase it to its most logical or illogical conclusion. It will lead you to death. You're afraid of suffocating. You're afraid of falling. You're afraid of drowning. What happens if you suffocate? Die. What happens if you fall too far? Not the fall that kills you. It's that sudden stop. Death. Fear of drowning. What happens if you drown? You're dead. In Christ can be received freedom from fear. If you have a phobia that just totally demobilizes you, Pursue a relationship with Jesus. Begin to follow Him and say, "Lord, I need some freedom in this area," and faith in the resurrection will bring it. I used to be afraid of my shadow. My parents claimed I didn't walk till after I was two, so I hated pain. It took me a long time to ride a bicycle. But through Jesus, we face our fears. He helps us. Freedom from shame. We already made a point on that issue. You may not be happy about your past, but through faith and a resurrection, you get a new beginning. It just happens. You're born again. A change happens in your heart. You can be free. You may have scars from your past. But the shame can be gone. The scars of your past can become your stars of your testimony. Freedom from unforgiveness. This is a tremendous testimony to the unbelieving world. How an atrocity can happen, and yet a work of forgiveness can be done in one's heart that cannot be understood. As a kid, I grew up for four years in Liberia, West Africa. And so I'm very interested in things that happened there. And they had a civil war that went on a long time. And when it finally came to an end, the hearts of the people that survived that thing were broken. And They began turning to Christ by the thousands. Churches are full. And during that civil war, there was an evil man raised by witch doctors named Joshua Milton Blighy. MTV did a show on his life called The Redemption of General Butt-Naked. During the war, witch doctors told him if he was naked, he would not die because people will not shoot a naked man because they don't want to look at him. (laughs) Well, in Africa, the men don't want to look at him. So he never wore a stitch of clothes during that war. He was one of the guys that recruited children Turned them into killing machines. Hooked them up on drugs and terrorized them. Killed thousands of people. MTV heard his testimony and did a show on it. My son Zane saw it. I have not yet seen it. But he's a United Pentecostal preacher. Pastors of church made up of family members of people that he killed. How is that possible? How is that possible? We're not for one who paid for our sins. People willingly go and worship at a congregation led by General Naked. Now, he's wearing clothes now. But. <laughs> a testimony to the fact no religion in the world can touch it. I'm telling you, Christianity is the religion of forgiveness. And if you're a Christian and you're walking in unforgiveness, you're living below your privileges. There is freedom for you. Remember the parable of the man that bought a ticket to sail from Europe to America and packed some crackers and peanut butter and ate crackers and peanut butter during the days of passage. He got tired of crackers and peanut butter. Sometimes he would walk by the dining hall and look in there at those rich folks and just envy them, stomach growling, trying to make the crackers last throughout the voyage. At the end of the ship, he's on the gangway with the other passengers, and the captain's telling them goodbye, and the captain greeted him and says, how come I never met you in the dining hall? He says, oh, um, I couldn't afford to go in there and eat. I didn't have any cash, so I ate crackers and peanut butter. Captain said, let me see your ticket. Sir, there's been a mistake. This ticket includes meals. Freedom from fear, freedom from shame, freedom from unforgiveness is part of the package. Part of the package. Your life can be changed. Without the resurrection, what would the world be like? Would the renaissance have happened? Point is, it did happen. Watch this. He not only frees from shame, he frees from pride. Some people are stronger than others. And all they've ever done is succeed in their life. They've never screwed up. Their goodness keeps them from saving faith. I want to tell you the truth today. Our goodness is nothing compared to God's. Paul had shame to deal with, but he also had pride to deal with. He wrote half the New Testament plus. He had the first five books of the Bible memorized word for word in the original language. He accomplished a lot in his life. Started churches. And yet he said compared to the knowledge of Jesus, all the good that he could be proud of was done. Just fertilizer. The knowledge of knowing Him is the key to eternal life. This is eternal life that they may know you the only true God, Jesus prayed in John 17. If you're dependent on your goodness to earn you brownie points with God, you need His mercy like the person covered with shame. We need His mercy. May God convict us of pride and convince us of freedom from shame. We just bow our heads right now. Father, I pray for every person in this room that you would give them the ability to believe this impossible thing that happened, the resurrection, and that they would see their need for a Savior to appropriate its benefits by faith through this ability to believe that you're giving them right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, if any of us are dependent upon our personal accolades, Lord, may we realize we need your grace, and we need your mercy, and may nothing blind us to that. In Jesus' name. Let's ask the Lord, just right now, just put your hand on your heart and just ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. If Just say, Lord, if this is real, Prove it to me. Show me. Convince me. I want to believe. Help my unbelief. If you're prideful, say, Lord, help me to see how this has blinded me to your goodness. If you're wrestling with shame, just just pray. It's right there in your seat. Lord, help me to see that you died for me. (laughs) thank you for tuning in today for worship and the word with Generations Church you may hear our radio broadcast again at the same time and station next week if you do not have a church congregation to call home and you live near the Granbury area, we would love to invite you to come check us out some Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our meeting facilities are located at 5718 East Highway 377 on the Fort Worth side of Granbury. And our website is at generationschurch.org.